number dude. ten. Number ten. Wow, I feel special. You are special. And Dennis has watched uh, the, uh, every episode prior, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> every episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, I, don't, I, our, I thought you were a biggest fan, bud. I am you guys' biggest fan. I haven't watched it. It's you know, watching is kind of hard. Listening, no. listening is okay. easier. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, like that one episode that we had with that. Who, who else do we have on? Oh, uh, I would go. With so we Alyssa. we invite we <laughs> we invited him on, and he doesn't even know anything about our podcast. CJ, so. there's got to be something. <laughs> CJ was not. <laughs> we have our good friend Dennis Montgomery today. What's up, guys? And we're going to be talking all things real estate. Yeah. Um, Dennis, you're kind of a peer of ours. We've been having on people that have been helping us in our business, mentors, peers. So nice. Yeah. Talk to you pretty much every other day. You talk to Jake a lot. You guys are studs. You guys are killing it, man. I'm proud of you guys. Well, from uh, what you're just telling us, I think we got some catching up to you, to you for uh, no, what you've you're accomplished you're this year. You're so. on a different level. You guys are on a different. <laughs> you guys are on ownership level, ownership path, ownership path, freedom path. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit. You know, you work for Faster House, another investment company yeah. here in town, which we've had several other people from Faster House on here. But um, before we get too far into that, tell everybody a little bit about where you started in your real estate journey and kind of the, the path of Dennis. Yeah, you're talking to the mic, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've been around uh, rental properties and uh, real estate since I was like 16. Uh, good friend of mine's dad owned rentals, so I worked on them. Yeah. And then I decided that I would go get a trades license so that I could buy my own properties and do the work myself. So went to school for plumbing and um, worked in that for a while and then eventually got back into real estate by doing property management and then realized quickly that property management was the suckiest job in America, um, not because of tenants and not because of owners, but because both of them together yeah. suck. So, um, so then, was your uh, your dad's your friend's dad was he kind of like the rich dad from the Robert Kiyosaki? Actually, movie? yeah, I remember asking him on a boat. Um, I never learned anything money with my parents. We were on a boat on the property in Michigan, and I remember asking if he's rich. <laughs> and, and I was like sixteen, so I'm not a little kid. What do you think? You're on my boat in the middle. <laughs> and he said, he said, well, that all depends on what you think rich is. Wow, so, what a wise answer. Uh, and so. He wanted me to get. He wanted me to buy my first fourplex when I was 18, and my mom said, "Hell." No. <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't, because it would have been a bad timing. Uh, the market crashed after, but um, I got into wholesaling on my own. Uh, then met the people at Fashion House, Brian Schroeder, the owner, and um, he offered me a job, and I've been working there ever since. First wow. dispositions, and now. Four years, four years later. Four years now? Yeah. Four years. So what, what made you want to get into wholesaling? Well, I was doing property management and this guy, Rick, um, walked into my office with a folder and inside that folder, it showed that he got a joint venture agreement that he got $3,000 for plugging two people that already knew. I had the client yeah. and I knew the seller and he got $3,000 just for connecting the two of them. And I'm like, wait a second, I don't make $3,000 working on this person's stuff 40 hours is it the same rick that we both know rick Hine? yeah yeah, yeah. shout out to rick Hine. yeah hey, rick. so um 
I talked to him a little bit. I talked to Corey Boyles, and I was set, man. There's no reason why I ever want to do property management again. <laughs> yeah, when I was a property manager, I saw Rick doing a lot of the same stuff. And actually, that was kind of one of the first things. I, I remember talking to you about that. Like, dude, what's this wholesaling business all about? <laughs> so Rick actually got me plugged into Ultimate Realty where you were at. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I actually went over there just for a few months until uh, after, and then Flash House offered me the job. Yeah. But I actually knew Ultimate Realty because of Rick Hine. So I managed some. And, Ultimate real to manage some. How long were you working on the houses for? You said uh, you went to school for plumbing and everything. So it kind of got, you, you kind of fall into life. So I, I've been working on houses and then I went to school for Christian ministry and worked on houses for people during that. And then I went to school for plumbing okay. and worked on houses during that. So I've been working on rentals for, um, as you 16, remember, yeah, 16, 17. Wow. I'm 34 now, so. Wow. Still 16, so. You're 34? Yeah. Me too. I thought you were a little bit older than me, but. Actually. It's because he's bald. <laughs> <laughs> just more mature. Yeah, just more mature. Yeah, there you go. That's so. It. so how, how did the job offer from Faster House come about? You say you're kind of just hanging around those guys? And... So I was doing it on my own, and I was doing a lot of joint venture agreements. I was also doing a lot of uh, HUD stuff as an agent, because I'm an agent. Yep. And then, um, uh, and I was working with out-of-state investors mostly and doing mailers, buying houses, just sending out mailers. And then yeah. uh, I went to Brian Schroeder, owner of Fast House, and asked him for to rent a desk from him. And we went on this walk, which Brian likes to walk in Newtown. <laughs> yeah. Showed me his new office. And then he said, hey, how about you just come work for us? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I called him back a few months later. Oh, you actually did turn yeah. him down at first? I turned him down in October, and then I called him in January and asked him for the job, and he said he was waiting for me to call, so it worked so out. Well, you're, you're thinking you still wanted to try it out on your own? Yeah, I was doing uh, like what you guys are doing, except for I didn't have a partner in it. So, you know, I was spending, ah, man, probably 10 or 12 hours a week stuffing envelopes. Um, and then I was, I mean, I was spending so much time driving around, looking at houses, phone yeah. calls, and then the winter came and I had nothing coming. So I might've been making, you know, at the time I thought it was great money, but I've probably set myself on a budget of $3,000 a month. But when you're spending freaking $3,000 a month and owning a business, yeah. It sucks. Yeah, you have nothing essentially, right? <laughs> nothing. Yeah. So, so that's actually, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole too much, but I mean, everybody that wants to get into real estate usually starts with wholesaling yeah. and it just kind of shows that you don't really have to do it on your own. Um, you said earlier that you're not the most organized person in the world. I'm not organized at all. But you're very talented buying homes, right? Uh, well, you said that, but. Well, you are. You, you, there's a title belt that company has, Fast House, and he's, you, you, have, you still have that title belt, I right? I do. Okay. Except for freaking Cameron is going to take this one. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so getting into it, I think wholesaling is really easy to do is reverse wholesaling, which is pretty much just networking to find the buyers. Yeah. And then any wholesaler out there that has a deal, if you already know who the buyers are, you can just connect the dots and you do a joint venture agreement and get, I mean, heck, I was doing it for $3,000. Yeah. And uh, I was doing like three a month, so. Yeah, we've had that advice from uh, some other wholesalers. That's how they go about it, you know. And um, people always want to start with doing all this activity to get leads, and yeah. then they haven't spent any time networking with buyers, and they get a deal, and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. You know? 
And I mean, we like that at Fasher House. We like those guys because we are their buyers. But uh, yeah, finding the buyers. If you find, if you have the buyers, um, the deals are gonna, you're gonna find the deals. So you kind of you started with Fasher House as being the disposition guy. Yeah. Which is essentially what that that's what you were doing, but just without the title. You're basically doing the dispos for the yeah, other wholesalers. So, so you just did, so Brian Schroeder hired you on, and it sounded like your best fit was to be a disposition guy. Yeah, so I was selling a lot of, I was doing the joint ventures with a lot of fashion houses. Uh, I only had probably 10 buyers, uh, but I was selling probably half of fashion houses deals that they were getting. So, so Yeah, no, that's an important thing too, is like you don't need a lot of buyers, you just need good buyers. You just need good buyers that other people don't have. Yeah. Uh, right now, Facebook, uh, and back then, and it's only been four years, but yeah. Facebook, these Facebook groups weren't nearly as popular, mm-hmm. but I found guys on Facebook that said they're looking for houses, and then I'd go out to like a Tampa real estate group, and then I'd be like, hey, are you looking for houses? Would you be willing to buy in St. Louis? I have the property managers. I could find you these. These are the returns, and then we would sell them houses. It was, I mean, it was free, yeah. and it was really easy. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of people living in California or the East Coast. Uh, they can't buy rental properties in their markets. So you put that together and uh, man, that's uh, that's a great way to go about it. Yeah, heck yeah. If, you, like you, call, for a while. if you call somebody in Colorado, Denver that's buying houses cash somewhere and you tell them and you can find those easily. I mean, we bought, I bought a list, but that you could buy a house for even a hundred thousand dollars out here that'll rent out at a thousand or $1,100. Mm-hmm. They're like, sign me up. Right, so to, dot, to like, to explain that a little bit more, it's because in those areas there's not a lot, there's no cash flow. They 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 hold rental properties just for the appreciation. Yeah, a lot of those a lot of those higher end neighborhoods, uh, uh, it's not higher end neighborhoods, but like parts of the country more expensive. They're buying these houses twenty percent down, and that really mm-hmm. and so there's obviously it obviously works for people yeah. because there's a ton of rentals in Denver, there's a ton of rentals in Sacramento, San San Francisco. So there's different there's definitely ways that it works, but as far as what we do, what I know how to do, um, the return on investment needs to be much higher. So yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So uh, now you've kind of transitioned to the acquisition side with yeah. Master House. Been doing that for two years, I guess. Two years now, man. Yeah. Okay. I remember when I first got in the game, you sold me a couple of deals, and yeah, I can't believe it's been that long, dude. Yeah, it's actually it's it's fun because a lot of people that I was selling houses to. Um, we're just buying like the first ones, like my bosses now, like yeah. Sam and Lucas. I was selling them their first houses. Yeah. Are you serious? Not the very first one. Right, but the first few. I was few. managing their first one. Really That's a totally different topic, but. And they still keep you around, huh? I was not the <laughs> property manager. I was the maintenance manager at uh, that time for that, those properties. So. Gotcha. So how did those skills uh, translate when you spend a lot of time on the dispo side and going to, you know, uh, deal with uh, directly with sellers mostly like how is that kind of you know played well for you to already have that experience that sales experience well the skills from doing the rehabs or doing the dispo well just from from selling all the deals yeah um, i mean one i think it had so many people knew me i had the biggest network of investors out of anybody in the company because uh, all these guys that are buying these guys also sell, you know, like they will find something that doesn't work for them. So, but, uh, I knew how to analyze a house. Uh, part of my job was 
whether it was part of the job title or just what ended up happening is these acquisitions guys would be calling me to run comps on properties. Like, hey, yeah. what can you sell this for? Hey, what can I buy this for? Um, and then also uh, helping out with rehab numbers just because I've been around that for so long. And so if you can analyze a deal, you can wholesale. I mean, the people that don't do good at wholesaling are people that don't know how to analyze a deal. Yeah. Yeah. So see it every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've been to houses that people are like, oh, it's $20,000 before I even get on the front porch, I'm like, well, there's twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. So, yeah. I know, man. So, uh, so now, I mean, you talk about you've been in the rental property game as long as you can remember. You're building up a rental portfolio now. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people that have been around the rental properties a long time and property management, uh, they might leave with a bad taste in their mouths. Heck yeah. There can be a lot of headaches that come with it. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, <laughs> like, you, you're buying your own now. Yeah, um, we got 21 doors. Yeah. So, so it's you and a partner, right? Yeah, me and my brother-in-law, we are 50-50 partners um, in the business. So, it's uh, um, if you if you're asking how that works, as far as well, I guess what I was getting at, like, you still like the idea of rental properties, even after. You know, see all the good, bad, and the ugly. For Actually, when I was at Provident and I left, uh, I shouldn't have said Provident, but that's where I was at property management. <laughs> manage your properties. Uh, but they, um, I hated property management. I said, I'll never own a rental. I'll rehab houses. Rehabbing was easy. You get your money right away. Um, but I, I changed that once you start getting the tax bills from rehabbing houses and you might make $20,000 within the IRS once a big old chunk and hold it. Yeah, you can make good money rehabbing houses, but it's a different niche. Yeah. Uh, and then after just watching uh, Brian Schroeder and Lucas and Sam and their portfolios actually bringing in money and realizing that it wasn't the tenants that I hated, it was the owners of the properties that I couldn't stand. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, they were always pulling you one way or the other. It was like putting out fires all the time. Yeah, well, you'd have a broken toilet. And then the tenant's like, well, I didn't break it. Well, itself, <laughs> but we have to fix the toilet. Like, there's no option there. Yeah. You know, and I can't prove that you broke it. So yeah. I have to replace it. And then the owner's like, well, why does it cost $300 to replace the toilet when it's $95 at Home Depot? It was, it sucked. Every, everything about it. Sucked. Yeah. It's always put out fires and babysit people. Yeah. Yeah. You're basically like a PR person. Yeah. And the owners don't see what's going on. So, like, if you're leasing out a property and you get, and you have it on the market and there's 50 applications and all 50 of them suck, the owners are mad that we couldn't find one of those 50 people that worked. And it's like, well, we could either just fill it or we could actually find a tenant that's going to stay there for three years that's actually going to pay rent. So, yeah, that was the case for me a lot. The same thing, you get, you get bad applicants and then some owners were just like, if they can fog them here, put them in the house because I can't have it be vacant anymore. Yeah. And then that created its own problem because 30 days later, they're not paying, they're rent. Not paying rent, you're yeah. filing for eviction. And then and... they're like, hey, but you put this person in there. <laughs> I mean, it literally happens. Multiple, I, I remember one that I was managing in Glasgow, it was a beautiful house up there. And I don't say that like sarcastically, it was a great house and, um, and we kept getting application, kept getting application, kept getting applications, and we gave a review at the end of each week of how many people applied for the property, and we can't give the owners all the information, but we would tell them to deny, denied, and and they're like, you guys are being too strict. I have to get this property rented. Well, we put somebody in there, 
and they trashed the house and they were the best applicant and then they wanted to blame us that we found the wrong applicant. Well, yeah. Yep. And then when you go to release the house, I don't know how you had it at Provident, but at least uh, with yeah. Ultimate Realty, you, yeah, you, you do it for free. Yeah. So you're just hustling for nothing. And yeah. it just, that's the worst feeling in the world. <laughs> yeah. and, and then, yeah, it was just, so not all landlords are bad. It's just, you have to have, as a rental portfolio, you have to have the idea in there that it's expense. There's going to be expenses. It's not personal. It's not the end of the world. Uh, $150 is not going to change the outcome after everything. Just yeah. spend the money, get it done right, and don't let things hurt your feelings. Yeah, I feel like this is a good segue to kind of go into, you know, tie in, okay, you're a landlord, we're all landlords here, and we're also in acquisitions as well, yeah. buying property. And so a lot of times when we deal direct to sellers, there's really just this like, why, why can't you pay me more for my house? Right. Like, I think that if it's worth a hundred grand and you can make $10,000 and these $10,000 worth of work, then you should be able to buy it for 80. Right. And it's yeah. like, that's not, <laughs> you can't like, it just, you can't. So can you kind of speak that a little bit? Like just like kind of talking about how things, a lot of things happen on the back end after you purchase the house. Yeah. I mean, so I always tell people I'm at 75% of the value. Yeah. A lot of times I say 75, 80% just to make it sound better, but then I, go towards the 75%. But I tell them, uh, you know, real estate fees, even though I'm a real estate agent, we pay listing agents, we we have to pay buyers agents if we rehab it. Uh, holding costs, uh, we do pay cash, but we have to pay for that money. It's not free. Um, we're not literally just taking cash out of our stack of money and buying it. Um, I explained all of it. And so at the end of it, I always say, we're looking to make 10% return on our money. Now, 10% is the minimum we're looking to make, but you don't have to explain all of that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, that's how I get people. Cause I, I just dealt with one, somebody yesterday. They're like, you know, my house is worth, what did she say? Her house was listed at two fifty nine nine. She pulled it out the market cause there was a basement leak. She said that she has a bid for $18,000 to fix the basement. And she wanted for me wow. to buy it. At, uh, she doesn't want to go below two thirty five, And she's like, well, there's money in there to fix the basement and then there's profit on top of it. I'm like, but there's not, it's absolutely backwards. Yeah. So you probably didn't buy that house. I'm assuming. Right? No, I offered yeah. one in 85 and she yeah. got mad, yep. but I, that's okay. I still going to make the offer. Yeah. Sounds like the same house we looked at with you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little bit more expensive. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get that one at 180. Yeah, we are. Uh, we'll need see, to. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned in there, Dennis, that you're also an agent. At what point did you get your license? What was the purpose there? Yeah, so I got on with the property management company as their maintenance manager, part-time working 1099. Um, and so as I was doing that, I wanted to transition out of my 40 hour a week pay job, uh, full-time job. And so I was doing plumbing at the hospital mm -hmm. and um, and in order to do that, I had to have more income. So in order to be a property manager legal in the state of Missouri, you have to have a real estate license. Okay. Um, and so that's how it started. I got okay. my real estate license in 2014. Yeah. So how's that come into play though? <coughs> progress? Um, I mean, are you doing retail stuff or is it just uh, do sellers show more trust with you since you are a licensed agent? Or? I don't think it helps at all with the, the yeah. seller's trust. I don't think sellers really care whether or not you're an agent or not. Um, 
the, it does help with, uh, you know, I can, I can take the listing. If I go on a lead, I can turn it into a listing. But other than that, you know, it's, yeah. So, right on. Yeah. So uh, we were talking in our meetup group the other day about this, uh, some issues you're having with your, uh, some of your duplexes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, bud. Yeah, it's all, hey man, we're transparent. Totally we talk about everything. Yeah, yeah so it, um, it, you, have you lost tenants because of COVID or people not so paying? So I have two that are truly falling behind due to COVID yeah. and they're trying to catch up. Uh, and then I have two that I've just stopped paying because they don't, they just think that I'm rich or something and they don't have to pay. It's a free pass because now. Yeah. It's COVID, I couldn't get rid of them. The one said it the other day when I went back over there, he's like, uh, they're not executing. And as soon as COVID's over, I'll move. I just can't move my family during COVID. Now you're just saying what you know you have to say because there's nothing I could say. And Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap. I yeah. mean, I'm done. I mean, I lost. I'm, I'm just going to give them a free place to stay for a freaking year. So... Uh, I'm not a big fan of that guy. Call him nipple rings. If you listen to nipple rings, <laughs> I don't like you. What? So he just doesn't just never wear his shirt. He never wears a shirt. <laughs> and he has nipple rings, and they just got a dog. So I was like, you don't have to pay rent for that dog, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Add it to my tab. Put it on the tab. <laughs> oh my gosh. He said he's gonna catch up. He's like, how about if I paid you $100 a week until I caught up? I was like, you do not know how to do math. <laughs> Your rent is $720. $100 of late fees. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> nope, he's short. You're short every month, man. So is this somebody that lost their job? No, they quit their jobs. He, he quit his job because he had to wear a mask at work, and he said he wasn't able to work with a mask on. Okay. <laughs> and now his wife is working in the evenings. And he works like four hours a night at pizza place, but he said that uh, each week he's only bringing in like a hundred dollars. And I said, "Well, I'll take it. Like, <laughs> All of it. I'll take it." <laughs> he didn't like that. But yeah, so uh, COVID's on executing. You can get the, the the judgment, but you cannot get the the sheriff. The sheriff won't go out there and do anything about. It. So we uh, we bought a property where the tenants it was tenant occupied and they are just destroying the place and so we actually just gave them a notice we didn't talk anything about eviction we didn't do any of that we just said here's a notice and so looks like we're gonna be getting them out tomorrow that's awesome yeah so we're really lucky and fortunate with that yeah it's kind of a roll of the dice we do we're buying a uh, property with a problem tenant in there you yeah know, and but. It's working out. They're cooperating. So I got a call yesterday from a guy that wants us to buy. I've, I've gotten several since we've been here. The problem with we thought it was going to be great to buy houses because there's going to be landlords that can't afford it, but we can't take it on either. Like right. that's the problem. Mm, like yeah. we had a guy call yesterday. He's got a house in Ferguson. Uh, he got the eviction judgment in March. Like the judge gave him the eviction but the COVID kicked in right afterwards. Okay. And so uh, in order to catch up, so the tenant paid half of one month's rent in April and hasn't paid anything since. So he's literally going on 12 months without, with only one half month's worth of rent and there's nothing he can do about it. And he told her she's sell, he selling the house. She's like, okay, yeah, just tell him come by, I'll let him in. I mean, there's a super on the front door and everything, but she's not going anywhere so i can't buy the house she's another person that says that she's not 
there was a sign in the front yard that he said he took down that was about rent strikes. So, I mean, she ain't going nowhere. No. And I'm not buying it. So, gosh, man. I mean, obviously, nobody wants to be in the business of throwing people on the street. I am. But, I mean, I'll blow yeah. you out. I got zero <laughs> apathy. Pay your bills. Yeah. I mean, rent's due. I mean, this is a business for us. Uh, you know, if uh, if you're not going to work, you don't need that car. So, why don't you go ahead and sell that car? <laughs> <laughs> or like you go in and like I, I remember people not paying rent like when I was doing property management I remember going to this lady's house and she just came back from like I don't know if it was a Nike outlet or she just went to the Nike store she's got all brand new shoes for her kids her boyfriend sitting on the couch with weed on the table like rolling up a joint and brand new at the time the brand new PlayStation system that's there huge screen TVs and you're falling behind on your rent because you can't afford it. If you sell those shoes, <laughs> sell that TV, and I guarantee you can pay one month. Priorities, man. You know what's funny to I share? Had shoes before you got a roof over your head. The, the, when we did like clear clean outs after a tenant was like evicted or they moved out, maybe they just broke their lease and they just left in the middle of the night. The number one thing I saw in those homes was huge like 80 inch screen boxes. Like <laughs> just <laughs> everywhere, multiples of them too. And it was just the funniest thing ever. It's like they didn't pay the rent, but like I know this TV costs at least five hundred bucks or more. And I know there's <laughs> going to be tenants that call me in December or January and say they can't afford to pay their rent because yeah, and they're oh something happened. No, because you went out and spent too much money on Christmas presents. Yeah, and I get it. I've spent way too much money on Christmas presents. Heck, I bought my kids way too much stuff this year. But like, I have a mortgage payment. And even if, like, that's the very first thing I'm paying right. at the end of the day. Like, yeah. I got to make sure my family has a home. Has a roof over their head, yeah. I guess different mindsets, man. But I before this turns into the uh, Landlord Sob podcast. Uh, it's not, it's not. <laughs> I love being a landlord right now. Uh, I don't care about the bad apples. We'll get them out eventually. You're still going to keep buying rental properties, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to buy 25 next year. 25? Okay. 25 or 29. Yeah. How many homes have you bought uh, for the wholesale? We have sure. closed. No, you. We have closed 40 that I've put on a contract. That's crazy. 40 contracts. Uh, there's been a couple packages in there, so there's probably more like 60 houses. Okay. That's awesome. Not too shabby, man. we got a couple more coming. Hopefully, if not, I don't get paid. So I'm trying to go on a salary, but they keep, they keep me out of commission. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I know I bought the most. Cam's bought the second most. Uh, and Dusty. And so, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been nice. good. Cameron's killing it, man. Yeah, he's a rookie too, man. Yeah. And what, what's the secret sauce? The secret sauce is going to every one of the leads that people like he runs all of the your neighbor's leads uh, <laughs> and makes offers on them. And he, that dude will look at freaking 10 houses on a Saturday. And I just don't, I'll go on an appointment on Saturday, but it better be a good appointment. Yeah. yeah. So, right. And I definitely better be a really good appointment if I'm going on a Sunday. So, so I mean, we've talked on the podcast before about trying to pre qualify the leads. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, one, you don't want to waste anybody's time if it's, you know, they're asking above retail and you know yeah. we gotta buy it at a discount. 
Like Cameron runs them all, huh? Sounds Cameron like. runs every single one of them. And that lady I was just telling you about that I made her, told her where I was going to be at, that she has a basement leak. Um, I did that all on the phone. I had an appointment scheduled by, by my office to be there this morning at 10 o'clock. I was like, I see I have an appointment at uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow. And, um, but I went over all the numbers. I got, I got all of her, uh, like what she was, what, what she wanted, what her motivations were. And I said, this is where I'm going to be at. It's probably going to make sense for you. And she's like, well, I appreciate you not wasting my time or yours. And yeah. I was like, yeah, cause I can go out there. But then I have another one that I talked to today that he's the dude's at like $320,000 for a house that is worth $320,000. Yeah. Like I can't, yeah, there's no money to be made there. I mean, yeah, unless you guys are in like the creative financing game and you're not right now, I don't think there's right. no point in running those appointments. Yeah, I will. I will 100% follow up with each of those people until I see if their house has been sold, um, because things change. People decide they don't want to do the repairs. People decide they're you know, you know, they need to move instantly. <clears throat> Life happens. Yeah. So you follow up for a few months, and we definitely bought houses like that that they have come down. They decided they didn't want to do it, but. Uh, I have a, a 89 year old blind guy that has been talking about moving out of his house for a year and talked to him today. He was, he has COVID, which I'm like, he's like, so what's not on, or the eyes aren't on my side. Oh, <laughs> you're, <man. laughs> you're doing good. It sounds like you're doing good. So, <laughs> um, but same thing. He, he had to wait to the motivation, right? So, right. Yeah. Right time. He might fall and break his hip tomorrow. No, I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm just giving a really bad example. Perfect example of how life happens. It can change a seller's motivation. We just bought one a few weeks ago. Um, they probably might not have ever sold or done anything about it until this tree fell on the house. Yeah. And then it caused a whole chain reaction of events and they had to get out of it. So yeah. and we had been calling and texting them, sending them letters, and they finally picked up the phone after that tree fell, you know, so. And I got a lady that I went and looked at her house. I just got their house under contract, uh, I think Monday or Sunday. And um, she, I talked to her last year, went and looked at her house, took pictures. She wasn't ready to sell. She's been there for 35 years. But now the city that she lives in is forcing her to fix her roof. And the cheapest bid that she got so far is $8,000. She's like, I don't have $8,000. So I need my roof. And so we, now she's ready to sell. So, so I, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about, and this is worthwhile talking about, it's just kind of the un, some of the unethical practices that people perform when they're doing, you know, buying properties. Because what we're talking about, we do a lot of the same things. You know, we kind of explain it. We don't just say, hey, you know, based upon your crappy situation here, we're only gonna offer you a little bit of money. We don't do that. We basically want to, too comp there's too much competition right now to try to pull that off because right. there's a high likelihood that she's gonna have a stack of postcards that she can call any one of them she doesn't yeah. feel like she's being treated fairly but um what uh i guess my point is like can you talk about some of the unfair practices that you've heard people do when they're at homes to try to like steal the house away basically from somebody yeah um well there's a lot of things that i, I don't like that people do um uh I, i've definitely seen contracts and actually been on the other end when it fell through uh people guarantee that they're closing houses uh but in their contract these one-page contracts it says that they can back out the day of closing that to me that is shady yep. uh, i am not that guy and i don't think anybody should do that 
But I mean, these people have already moved out of the house, the one that I bought. Um, this was a year and a half ago or something. It was early on in me doing acquisitions, but they they backed out and it, the day of closing, and that's not okay. That's the biggest shady thing. Or they try to get a price drop the day of closing. Yeah, yeah, that's horrible. Yeah, I've heard a lot of that before. Yeah, I've heard you guys do that before. No, never, never. <laughs> never. <laughs> no, man. I mean, so like I've seen people they'll do like they'll put in their contract a thirty day close and a thirty day inspection period. Yeah, and they call that day before closing and try to pull that. Yeah. You know, um, we've been doing deals where there's no reason for an inspection period. We're going to close on it. I know Faster House does this too. If we do need to go back in there for a second opinion, we'll do a very short, you know, seven to 10 day inspection yeah. period. Yeah. And we're very upfront and honest too about yeah, the yeah. whole process. We're not going to leave anything. We try not to leave any kind of questions in their head. Now that's inevitable. People are always going to be confused about something. Um, but we try to be as crystal clear about what our intentions are as possible. Yeah. I, I tell people when I'm there, we're not doing any inspection contingencies. Um, unless there's something that I can't certify then. And I'm not a foundation expert, I'm not a sewer expert, and I'm not a roofing expert. So if one of those three things come up, I'm gonna need to get checked out. Yeah. A uh, couple other times, you know, it's for like termites or something like that. Yeah. But for the most part, I should be able to be very confident on buying your house when I leave out the door. So, and I try to let them know that. Yeah. So. yeah. One of the things too, I think we get snagged on a lot, and I'm assuming everybody has this issue is that this the seller thinks the house is worth like 200,000 reality it's worth 180 um but they feel like you're trying to lowball them because you're trying to get them convinced that they're 180 how do you kind of combat that uh well i've definitely brought comps with me many times uh to comparables but the thing about comparables is that you can eliminate the ones you don't want them to see yeah uh so pulling it up in front of them um it's always you know I honestly haven't had to do that in a long time, but I've definitely pulled them up uh, in front of them on my phone or on my tablet or my laptop if I have it Mm -hmm. and said, hey, here's what the house they're selling for. Here's the finishes. We compare apples to apples. Like your house is not worth $200,000. If the house up the street is $200,000, it has hardwood floors. Bigger house. Uh, It's a bigger house. It's a ranch instead of a split level and it's got granite countertops. Like all those things make a difference. So Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. So you say you're going to buy 25 rentals next year? 25, 30, who knows? Okay. You know. All single families or try to look for more duplexes? I think you want some more value park duplexes. <laughs> I'll keep my eye out for you. Yeah, yeah I'll buy them. Uh, I, I, I would really like to get some more duplexes. We'd also like to get a little bit more higher end houses than we have. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so our, our journey has been kind of the same, Dennis. I started out on my own got the marketing going, did a couple small deals and everything, ended up working for some other guys. And um, I mean, do you see yourself ever going back or like, you it seems like you say see that, man, I got a oh, job. Yeah. I'm, 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 I guess, boss is watching. <laughs> I say it's like, you see the value of partnering with other people, yeah. joint ventureships and everything. Yeah, I, I, I would never say that. I pray every day that, you know, that I'm led to to follow, go through the doors I'm supposed to go through. And so I think that so far it's worked out great for me. I mean, Fast House has been a huge blessing, uh, but if, if I'm called to start my own business, I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm not gonna be the guy doing contract coordinating, but um, <laughs> if, if that was something that, I, it's not on my plate right now, it's not on my mindset, it's not yeah. on my, 
tenured plan, but who knows what happens when once our businesses, once our rental portfolios large yeah. enough, like who knows? So well, real quick, a lot of times people get into real estate because they want to buy their their time back, right? So do you feel like you still have that? Oh, absolutely. So yeah. I I work full time for Faster House boss. <laughs> um, I, I I I'm able to do what I want when I want to do it. Yeah. Um, I have a couple meetings each week that I have to be at. Other than that, it's kind of a you do it, but I mean. I'm not motivated by money so much as I am by just like freedom. And, uh, but I, I get really competitive when I start seeing other guys close deals and like get, we get a notification every time somebody buys a house in our group. And when that text comes across and the email comes across that so-and-so bought a property, I'm like, I haven't. Do you think it's, that's there for a reason, maybe, then? That's what we want to help celebrate. We want to, we want to know and I mean it lights a fire but yeah. if you if you sit down if I sit down and really grind for eight hours to try to find a lead I guarantee that I'll find something that I can buy whether or not it's a great deal and it's just hard for me to get to that eight hours yep yeah buy a house a week it's my goal house a week, house a week. yeah that's uh good uh roadmap to make uh six figures every year man yeah i mean one day i'll make six figures but, <laughs> you know if you want to get into wholesaling on your own you'll make six figures yeah so yeah yeah well cool man any uh words of advice for people starting about this uh, business getting into the game and real real estate in general i think that wholesaling is a great thing um uh, owning rentals is building a legacy of future man it, i mean like it's it's money in an asset that isn't going away. So uh, if you buy right, um, I mean, we're building our rental portfolio not for an income. Yeah. Uh, we're goal is to pay them all off. So I think that's a little different than a lot of people that I hear taking money out and doing this or doing that. That's not us. Like we pour all our money back into our properties to raise the values. And uh, obviously we have money set aside so that if, half our tenants move out next week, we can still make the murder payment. So somebody said on our mastermind call today, like right now is the time to build wealth with assets mm -hmm. and store, you know, store some capital in the bank. But imagine like the opportunity that could be coming in the next six months. And if you're able to double the assets in your portfolio, mm -hmm. how yeah. the banks are going to look at you a year or two down yeah. the road from now. Well, well, I don't know how to kind of and I, maybe I shouldn't even say anything, but like, our government is literally writing checks for billions of dollars right now. Yeah. And that's going to affect how much our, our dollar's worth. So just in my subdivision alone, um, Jake lives next subdivision over, the new subdivision just raised the price of their houses by like $60,000, $40,000, depending on them for the new construction. Yeah. And so that's going to affect the values of every other house around it. So you can't build a house for the price that you can buy a house right now that's going to go up in value yeah so you're you're going to get a bigger return on your investment heck florissant missouri um when i started in 2014 oh, yeah. doing this i remember people were buying houses and packages they would buy three houses for like one hundred and five thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and 
and turn them into rentals, if those houses are worth like a hundred or $105 a square foot now, yeah. you know? Yep. And back then you were buying for $40 a square foot. That was six years ago, seven yeah. years ago. It's there's, crazy. There's a lot of money that people made in the, in the last six or seven years when they started buying those rentals. Yeah, and, yeah I, that's insane to me. Yeah, and so there's there's other areas. That's that's a that's a weird one, but there's other areas. I mean, my house that I bought is worth a hundred thousand dollars more than what it was worth mm-hmm. uh, when I bought it in 2010. Yeah. So and I won't sell it. I'm going to turn it into a rental. But the house is next door. The next subdivision over, that exact house is being built for 230 for base model. You know, I, I live in a small house. It's not fancy, and but it's like it's going to go up. And it's next year when I get on here, I'll be talking about my million dollar house. <laughs> I hope so, man. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have you back on here, man, and uh, talk later next year. How many more houses you got, and how things are going? And bro, I'm knowing at least half of St. Louis, half of St. Louis. at least. Yeah. Why are you selling on only half? Because the other, if I go half, then I become a politician. So yeah, you're right. That would be good. What's the uh, what's the best deal you've bought this year? Dang, I think somebody just asked me. Yeah, I I don't have to share the numbers, but like maybe it was a. I have a really good memory, guys. <laughs> I have no idea what the best property is. Um, Sam, Phil, and Lucas would be able to tell you that like that. Yeah. Because they brought it up. That's got to be your favorite deal. Um, or is there a deal where it's like the hardest one to get closed, but you got it done? Like, There's been a couple that, yeah. you know, you just got to fight for the fight to get it to the finish line with title companies. And that's why it's so awesome to have title companies to work directly with. And But I don't remember stuff. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm not going to sit here and just, I mean, honestly, I, I, I put – I put a house under contract, and then the reason why I like, like working on a team is so I put that house under contract, and I completely forget about yeah, it. It's out of your, yeah, out of sight, out of mind. Except for the one I just put under contract, and I bought too high, Uh-oh. but I did it to help a friend. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so that was not the best deal that he bought this year. I still have not hit, uh, I buy the most houses, but I have not hit one of those home runs where you just it's just a hundred thousand dollar wholesale and i didn't have to do anything for it yeah those are um, unicorns i haven't done one um uh rehabs i mean we uh, rehabs have been great but as far into sell those but um the other acquisition guys have all gotten one of those that are just like freaking wow right. you need yeah. have to negotiate this <laughs> this is what i need to just to lay down yeah, yeah. like I need one of those. It'll happen. It's coming. It's coming. (laughs) You'll get there. So just buy so many houses that you can't remember uh, the street names. (laughs) It's just not the mindset I have. In the past, like when I was doing it on my own, I was looking at every single aspect. When I was doing property management, I knew every address of every property I managed. I knew what was going on. I knew the rents. I knew the tenants' names. I knew everything. Uh, Now I know what properties I own. I know some of the tenants' names, probably probably most all of them. Um, I don't know the rents off the top of my head because that's not my that's not my avenue in, in rentals. Uh, that's my partner's avenue. So he knows all the numbers. I know all the maintenance stuff and who the tenants are. Um, and same thing when it comes to buying houses, like 
I I know the people I need to know. I know the backstory of each house that I keep up with the CRM. Like I know the backstory. I know who had cancer and why so-and-so is selling. But as soon as that house goes through, I put it out of my mind and work on something else. Well, that's the important details when it comes to working with sellers. I mean, it, it's not it's not ever about the numbers, hardly ever. Right. I mean, it's, it is because that's we got to buy it the right number. But yeah, you want you want to get their life story. I never yeah. go in and say, hey, you know, why do you want to sell? I go in and you find that out generically, or is it generic? organically? Organically, yeah. Generic. <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Organically, you 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 can find like the guy that's blind. You know, his name is Gene. See, I can't even remember what deal I have, but I know Gene's name and I know that he's 89. I know that now I know he had COVID and I know that he's losing his eyesight and wants to move his son or daughter. Like, I know those things because, and I have 60 leads that I follow up on regularly, but I know the story of all 60 of those leads because that's how I'm going to buy the house, not by knowing what the numbers are. Yeah. Very good. On that note, we'll wrap it up here. We got to go look at a house, I think. So. Yeah, tell me a good joke. Uh, not not. Jokes. You have to know a joke. Tell me a Christmas joke. There's no Christmas jokes. Oh, come on, you guys. Jake doesn't celebrate. You know who? Jake celebrates Christmas. <laughs> wow. You, you look like The Rock. No, I don't. I just have to say that on the I podcast. Don't look like the rock. Look <laughs> I look like a pale guy that hasn't worked out. My arm is messed up. Pale. Pale. I'm pale as. Look, look at Taylor. You're this nice. Guy. You're nice in the olive. Look, at, look how tan you look. You look freaking. No. Oh, he's, med- he's Mediterranean. Yeah, man. If I'm not tanner than you, dude, I just hairy. That's the last time I got a haircut. Like a real haircut? Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Like real haircut. I mean, how long you? is that without you slicking it back? When I was four years old. That was the last time I got a haircut. <laughs> I was four. All right, thanks for coming on, Dennis. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, guys. Yeah.